Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Last week we were there and read this text, and we'll go ahead and read probably through the text again today. And uh, we have been, um, you know, the, this year in the Sunday services, have been focusing for the most part on uh, overcoming. The Lord told us at the beginning of the year, this is the year of the overcomer. So we've been coming at it, you know, from different angles every week. And, and so um, what came to my heart last week was reigning in life, amen, through the one Jesus Christ, amen, reigning as kings and priests under a new covenant, praise God, amen. And so we're going to talk some more about that. Uh, so let's, Romans 5, let me get to it in mine here, Romans 5. And we're going to read verse 17, probably read it down to like verse uh, 21. So let's uh, just read it through here. So Romans 5, 17 says, For if by one man's offense, okay, now of course this is talking about Adam, uh, what Adam did. So the, really the whole chapter is dealing with, uh, you know, the difference with what Adam did versus what Jesus did. How many know what Jesus did was far greater than what Adam did? That was pretty weak. Let's try that again. Amen. How many believe what Jesus did was far greater than anything Adam did? Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. For if by one man's offense, in other words, mistake, amen. How many know it was a big mistake what they did? Uh, well, for by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive, look at your neighbor and say, it's good to be a receiver. Praise God. Those who receive, it says here, an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Now, earlier it calls it a free gift of righteousness. It says in the, if they will receive these things, it says they will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Now, let me just kind of give a, a, a little bit of a definition here on this word reign. This particular word means to rule in dominion. It means to obtain, literally means obtain royal power, okay, or to exercise kingly influence and control. That's why some of your other translations, like the Amplified, will say reign as a king in life. Amen. Uh, the CEV will say we'll live and rule like kings. Amen. The living will say our, we're our kings of life. Amen. Amen. Many other translations talk about reigning in real life, reigning in triumph, reigning victoriously, it says. Uh, one of the translations, I love this, says to grasp it. talks about the sovereign life. Grasp the sovereign life with both hands. Amen. So reigning as kings in life. So the word reign is talking about uh, really operating under, you know, who you are as a king and a priest under the new covenant. Now, this is pretty interesting. Uh, I'll just go ahead and throw it out now. This is kind of uh, really is what, what began to ring in my spirit years back when, um, when I began to meditate more on righteousness and grace and, and all that. And this uh, definition uh, in the lexicon brings out about this word reign. It calls it the basis and the foundation of power. In other words, if you will receive the abundance of grace, and that's what we're going to focus on today, the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness is what we focused on last week. All right. If you will receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of, of righteousness, you will, it says this, you will have the basis or the foundation of power. If you can get a hold of this, amen, this is the, this is, you're on your way. Okay, thank you for all that enthusiasm. Come on. So if you will receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. You will, amen, have the basis and foundation of power. Literally have the strength to govern, confidence to win, stability, and be able to hold sway no matter what the pressure. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, let's reign in life. Amen. So the word reigning is dealing with overcoming. It's about conquering. Praise God. It's about being the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. Amen. So you have to receive some things. You've got to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Now the word receive here, the Greek word is lambano which means to literally to seize it, to grasp it, and to seize it. Amen. Not let go of it, praise God. Amen. So let's read the rest of this, and then we'll kind of dive into what we got for you today. Verse 18 says, Therefore, because of this, 
as through one man's offense, again repeating what Adam did, judgment then came to everybody, didn't it? Judgment came to all men because of what Adam did. And it said, resulting in a thing called condemnation. Everybody say condemnation. That's referring to like shame and guilt and inferiority complex, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of fits in there. In fact, that's something we're probably going to focus quite a bit on next week about how, you know, why we walk free from all that mess. Amen. It says, even so through one man's righteous act. Talking about what Jesus did. Through one man's righteous act. In other words, what Jesus did was far greater than anything Adam did. One man's righteous act, then, what happened to, came the free gift, amen, the free gift came to all men, resulting in a thing called justification of life. So Adam, because of what he did, brought condemnation to all mankind, but what, what Jesus did brought uh, justification of life to everybody. Now, the word justification, uh, the same Greek word is righteous or righteousness, all the same word, just depending on how it's used in a sentence, all right? So verse 19 now, let's read through this. Amen. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also, it's just another way of saying it, so also by one man's obedience, here we go, many will be made righteous. Many will be made righteous. Amen. You're not trying to earn it. Amen. You're not trying to, you know, trying to get God's, you know, more of God's, you know, of acceptance or love. Come on. You're already, you're already in a place of righteousness or right standing, it means. Amen. So, because of what Jesus did, amen, hallelujah, we, what we now are the righteousness of God, according to 2 Corinthians. Now, let's just throw this out before I read the next couple verses there. You are righteous. You're not... Come on, you're not trying to, you know, be righteous. You are righteous. And it's based on His righteousness, not yours. See, I traded my old filthy rags. Come on. I traded mine in for His. Amen. And because of what Jesus did, I was made righteous. Are you with me? Now, righteous or righteousness is about identification. Now, this is what we've kind of been dealing with this whole thing. Because once you receive who you are, you're able then to be who you are. But if you can't even receive who you are, it's hard to be who you're called to be when you won't receive what He says about you. All right? All right. Okay, let's go to the next verse. All right. So, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. In other words, the law came to bring everything, you know, man's attempt to try to, you know, to bring, you know, this is what God did. Brought all the law, a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts. And so it said, here, live by that. Well, they found out they couldn't. You don't think God didn't know that? God knew you couldn't do it. They knew they couldn't do it. So he says, I, I've got a plan, though. His name's Jesus. Come on. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Praise God. Verse 21. Hallelujah. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the reason that I uh, wanted to read down to that part is because last week we kind of touched on the fact that grace, amen, reigns through righteousness. In other words, grace is at its best, amen, when you receive who you are. All right? You with me? So grace operates. Amen. Grace is received when you receive who you are. All right? All right. So with that said, praise God. Turn with me, if you will, now to, uh, to Hebrews. Hebrews. And we're going to go to chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Now, grace. Grace. The word grace, uh, Hebrew word charis, which means uh, a gift, benefit, favor. It's defined in the, in the Strong's Concordance. In fact, I can't find a better definition for the word uh, than, what it was in the, than what's in the Strong's Concordance. And that is a divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life. Grace 
is a divine influence. In other words, it's, it's God influencing a man's heart so that it can be then reflected in their life. Now, this is very important. This is why he talks about if you will receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of right, you'll reign in life. It'll just start working for you. All right? So if God's the influencer of your heart, now, again, let's define the word heart. Uh, the word actually is uh, uh, cardio, where we get our word cardio, uh, but it's not referring to the blood pump. It's referring to the center of the core, it means. All right? Literally means the seat of control. Really, what you, if you could break the word down, it deals with the will or the character of a human being. That's why God looks on the heart. Come on, somebody. And according to Jesus in Matthew 12 and also in Mark 7, and also we see in Solomon talked about it in Proverbs 4, everything is dependent on the heart. Where the heart is determines where an individual goes all the issues in life come out of the heart. Your words that come out your mouth are based on what's in your heart in abundance. Come on, somebody. Jesus said the good, the bad, and the ugly all comes out of the heart of man. Are you still with me? Now, that's why God says, that's why I need to influence that heart. Because if I can't influence that heart, that means somebody else is influencing it. And if something other than God's influence in your heart, that means the seat of control or the decision maker is probably not going to make real good quality choices. Can I hear a big amen? amen? Now, the reason that we reign in life when we're receiving the abundance of grace is because we're trying to walk this life sometimes as Christians, and this has probably has been one of the greatest problems I hate to use it like that, but I think I'm just going to use that word. One of the greatest problems that we've had in the church, in the body of Christ as a whole, is a lack of understanding about grace. So what happens is they're still out there trying to walk the walk in their own strength and ability. Listen, we have got... Um, we have. You know, we could probably all sit and think about this for a little bit, and probably, you know, all of us could come up to the same, you know, the same result here. But we have gifts out there, gifts galore, people gifted who never brought their gift into fruition. And they knew they were gifted by God. We have callings, callings of God that people know they're called of God that never see it come to pass. We have leadings from God knowing it was a God leading that never came to pass. And it comes down to this. You're too busy trying to do it all in your own strength and your own power. So after a little while, guess what? You peter out. Yeah, I could have come up with a better one than that probably. <laughs> but I got your attention. Come on. After a while of doing everything in your own strength, it's only a matter of time. Pretty soon you're giving up. Pretty soon you're throwing in the towel. You're throwing in your hand pretty soon. You're no longer moving forward. Pretty soon it's just as easy just to kind of do what everybody else does. Forget about the calling. Forget about the gift. Forget about the leading. Are you still with me? One of the <clears throat> biggest deceptions, I'm kind of giving all the negative out first here before we dive into the good here. One of the greatest deceptions concerning grace is that just because you're born again, and just because you know God, that you're automatically walking in grace. If that was the case, we'd all, come on, we'd all be doing what we're called to do, and we'd all be doing it 100%. Come on, somebody. And we would finish what we started. So, we want to address some of this. Hebrews 4 and verse 16, a common text here. It says, let us therefore come boldly 
to the throne of grace. Now this word, you know, come boldly, come with confidence and assurance. That's something that we're probably, like I said, we'll probably dive a little deeper into that maybe next week. But, I mean, this is why grace reigns through righteousness. Because if you receive who you are, you're more apt to come to the throne of grace with confidence instead of shame, guilt, condemnation, inferiority. Because if you're not going to come with confidence, you're probably not going to leave with anything. Because deep down, you don't think you're deserving of anything. That's why grace reigns through righteousness. Because when you're going to come to the throne, you better come to get something. Why? So you can leave with something. Because isn't that the name of the game? Get what you got to get and move forward. Right? Whatever he's offering, let's take it. Let's move forward. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. You notice it's called the throne of grace. Now the word throne, um, the Hebrew, or the Greek word kind of escapes me at the moment, but it means overlord or man or person of influence. When we're talking about the throne of grace, we, we know that we're referring to the person sitting on the throne than so much than the chair. Okay, but that's the point being made is that we come boldly to God, the God of grace. Amen. The throne of grace. Why? So we can obtain, first off, mercy. And then, everybody say and. And then it says find grace. Well, I'll be doggone. You can find grace at the throne of grace. Come on. You find grace to help in time of need. As you, as you study that part there, he also, in fact, I don't, I don't know if there's any translation that say it, but when you get into the Greek, it says the grace to help on time for the need. And it kind of, it kind of, when you kind of read it like that, it kind of makes more sense because this is really, when you start looking about receiving, grasping, it's about, it's about being more aggressive than it is passive. Are you with me? Now, the reason I'm saying that is because you're there for a reason. You're there because there is a need and it needs to be handled. Amen. I need empowered. I need strengthened. Amen. I need the hand of God at work. Amen. I need the grace of God to do, amen, in my life what needs to be done so I can get the job done. Praise God. Amen. I hear, you know, wishy-washy, you know, playing around, playing patty cake with the devil anymore on this thing. Praise God. I'm here to receive. That's why he said, come with some confidence. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? So you can leave with something. That we may obtain mercy. Amen. How many know mercy is good? The word mercy uh, is a word that means, uh, uh, you know, a covenant compassion or, uh, you know, a, uh, a covenant kindness, okay? And it just deals with the fact that, that there's a covering there regardless of what has happened. That's why when you say, you know, you come with confidence, you come with boldness, even though you just blew it. Somebody said, well, you know, I just blew it. God doesn't want anything to do. Whoa, stop, stop, stop. Whoa, whoa, what? Well, you know, I've already blown. Whoa, 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 what? Well, you, you know, God, don't, whoa, whoa, hold it, whoa. You better receive who you are first. Because if you're going to go to God with the idea of I'm deserving of every bad thing that comes down the road, you ain't going to leave with what you need. And you're going to leave just as much in, in a struggle as when you got there. So he says there's mercy, amen, to cover that mess. But what you need now is to move forward in life with this grace stuff. Many times grace and mercy get, get mixed up. Many times they just get lumped together. Most of the time when people talk about mercy and grace, they just kind of lump them together. And their idea of grace is, you know, covering you from, from whatever. And grace is not about a covering. Grace is about overcoming. Mercy is about covering. Grace is about overcoming. Best, best description I can give of the two is mercy is about this moment backwards. Making sure everything from here on back is covered. 
Grace is about this moment forward. So you're empowered to do what you got to do. And if you don't ever stop long enough and take the grace to move forward, you're probably not going to fulfill what you're called to do. And you're going to constantly have to be drawn on mercy, 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 drawn on mercy. Drawn on. That gets old. I said, that gets old as a Christian. Now, the mercy is there to have. Don't get me wrong. But if that's all you got, you got to constantly live your life under the mercy, 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 and never draw on grace. You never get to where you got to get to. You never overcome. You never conquer. Come on, somebody. That's going to be a miserable life for you. Even as a Christian, and I'm not taking away your salvation, but you might as well get to heaven after you've conquered, done something, fulfill what you got to be. Amen. Are you still with me? All right. So find, uh, you obtain mercy, but you find grace to help in time of need or on time for the need. Amen. So this word find, let's define it. Praise God. Are you still with me? All right. So uh, the word here to find, hayorisko, uh, I think, hayorisko. Probably butchered it. But anyway, that's it's about how, it's how it looks anyway. All right, but it means to get or to seize it, of course, but it means to see and locate it. It means to perceive or discover and learn. So what he says is that if you will go there, you will find, amen, this grace. What? Remember now, you'll find that divine influence. A divine influence. That'll somehow impact and imprint your heart. The more time spent with the God of grace, the more of the grace of God you operate in. Period. Period. Amen. I've had a lot of people come up and say, well, what about, you know, you're saved by grace. You're saved by grace. You didn't say it all. Saved by grace through faith. So somewhere along the line, somebody told you something, and by faith you received it. Because remember, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So you now, praise God, you've heard the truth, you received the truth, and then what you did is made movement toward God. And the second you made one step toward God, He was moving towards you. And you had no idea about the grace of God. Had no idea, but the grace of God, the power of God, the hand of God... Bang, right there, amen, made a difference. You went from being hell-bound to being heaven-bound in a split second. Everybody say, thank you for the grace. Now, that same grace is still available all the time. There's an abundance of grace. We just got to get people to receive it. And so how do we receive it? We go with confidence to the throne of grace that we may obtain that mercy and find that grace to help in time of need. Amen. The more time you spend with Him, finding the grace, the more of the grace you operate in, the more of the grace you operate in, the more of the power of God you see in your life, the more of the fruit you have in your life. Why? Because you're being empowered and influenced by God, amen, on the heart, and then it's reflected in your life. And then it's none of this trying to, you know, do the list of do's and don'ts. I can come up with a few lists if you want. Right? I mean, the Bible has a lot of lists. It does, don't it? A lot of lists, a lot of do's, a lot of don'ts. Right? I mean, we could just do, you know, we could talk about, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love. Oh, that hangs most everybody up right there. <laughs> Try to walk in love without grace. Yeah, your love will go about this far. Love, joy, yeah, joy, yeah, right. <laughs> joy goes out the window under pressure if you ain't got the grace of God to keep you empowered. Feel with me? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Try to operate in any of those without the grace of God. How far do you get? Not very far. Because you need the divine influence to empower you to do it. And guess what? God isn't asking you to do any of it without Him. Are you still with me? Now, with that said, 
I want to just do, uh, let's use a few verses here just to confirm a few things, and then we're going to move on here. Hebrews 12, put verse 15 up, if you will. It says this, looking carefully, lest anyone uh-oh, fall short of the grace of God. Of course, it goes on in context, dealing with what he was dealing with, that lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. But it says here that you could fall short of the grace of God. I don't want to fall short of the grace of God. Do you? Now, this word to fall short, <clears throat> it means to be lack of or deficient of. So somewhere along the line, if it, when you could be lack of the grace, you could lack the grace of God or be deficient of the grace of God. Now, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm stressing this and why I always stress it when I deal with grace is because we have this idea thinking that God just dumps grace on you when He wants to. If that was the case and we didn't fulfill what we were called to fulfill, it'd be His fault. But it ain't never His fault. If we, we operate in, in a lack of grace, it's our fault, not His fault. All right, let's try another one. Give me the next one here. What's the next one here? Is it out of Galatians? Galatians 2. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. But here he says you could set aside the grace of God. The word here, set aside, okay, it means to frustrate, to nullify, or to make void. So you can nullify, frustrate, or make void the grace of God. Now this starts giving us an understanding of why there are giftings that never come into fruition, why there's a calling that never manifests, why there are leadings of God, and you know they're leadings, and they never come to pass. Why? Because God, isn't, God wants to empower you to do it. Every leading, every calling, every gifting is there, amen, to be empowered by Him so that you can fulfill it. There is nothing more depressing as a Christian than knowing you got a calling, ain't none of it manifesting. Or you got a calling or a leading from God and you ain't seeing any of it come to pass. That's depressing. And a lot of Christians live there. Give me another verse out of Galatians. How about Galatians 5, verse 4? You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have, here we go, fallen from grace. How many know you can fall from grace? That literally means to be driven off course. Okay? So you could be driven off course. Now, when you stop, as I kind of touched on briefly earlier, you can, you, if you look at just in a nutshell, grace and the law, all right? Bottom line, here's what it comes down to. Grace is all about His strength. The law is all about your strength, period. It's about you doing everything, trying to do this, trying to do that, trying to do this, trying to do that. It's all in your own strength. Guess what? You've brought yourself under the law. And you're, and you're really just going to just wear yourself out. Or you can lean on the grace of God, not be driven off course of the grace of God, lean on His strength and see it all come to pass. Amen. Why? Because you're leaning on Him. Are you still with me? All right. Now somebody said, well, grace is a free gift. Yes, it is. It's a free gift for all to have. And He wants you to receive that free gift. I use this as an illustration. I'm going to go ahead and do it again today. And... Uh, uh, to me, I just, I don't know, it's just kind of how he gave it to me years ago. And so pretty much every time I talk grace, this is where I go. And uh, if, if Pastor Jerry called you up and said, all right, here's the deal. I got a new rig, new vehicle for you. I could say a Cadillac or maybe some of you like trucks or a new bike. Okay. I say, uh, you know, I got, I got something for you. I felt led of God to, to do this for you, to give this for you. And, uh, but uh, it's out at the house. And, uh, you know, it's my gift to you. Uh, when you get out there, you're going to find it, and you're going to find the keys in it. You're going to find the title laying on the seat. It's yours. So what would you do? This is not a trick question. What would you do? Go get it. It's a free gift. Okay? So if you're sitting on the step, you know, later on crying because Pastor Jerry said, I can have something, he didn't bring it to me, I don't have the great, I don't understand why he said he's going to have a rig, and I can understand why I don't have a rig. He just said I could have something, but he ain't done nothing, he's just lying to me, I know he's just making up stories. 
Listen, there's a lot of Christians right there. There's a lot of Christians right there. Now, the idea is this. It's a free gift. All he's asking, all he's asking, just come over to the house and get it. It doesn't make it any less a free gift. See, grace is that way. It's a free gift to all that. You can receive an abundance of it. All he asks is come to the house and receive it. That's all he asks. Just come so I can divinely influence your heart. So I can impact your heart so that everywhere you go from there on will be reflected in your life. It's a free gift. It's all yours. You just got to come over to the house and pick it up. So how complicated is that? How complicated was it when you got saved? Now, you didn't even have a clue about it. I bet when you got born again, you didn't know, you probably didn't even know, even really even know what the word grace was about. I mean, if you were like me when I got saved, I was dumb as a stump, didn't know nothing. Somebody just says, you know, you need Jesus. I go, yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah, I want some of that. And I, okay. And right then, and guess what? It did take, by the way. <laughs> Amen. There was a few, a few, few, maybe, you know, maybe a couple years in there. Maybe it was a little bit in question, but it did take, praise the Lord. The point is, I didn't have a clue about grace. Didn't have a clue about anything other than somebody said, you need to receive him. And so I said, okay. You said, okay. You know, and as we've said many times, you know, that's about all you can take credit for is that you said, okay. You said, yes. Amen. And some would argue that because the Holy Spirit's willing to draw you. So, you know, they'd say you can't even get credit for that. But anyway, I'll just, I'll at least let you have that part. Amen. You said, yes. Now, when you said, yes, you didn't have any idea about grace. You had no idea. But yet, when you made movement toward God, grace manifested. Now, if you could get that much movement, come on, you could have that much power available to you, and you didn't even have a clue, how much more power could we have available to us if we start getting a clue? See, the point is, all he's saying is, listen, the same way you got saved is the same way it all works. Make movement toward me. As you draw toward me, I draw toward you. And the more you draw toward me, the more you're empowered. The more your heart is, is, is influenced or impacted or imprinted by God. So then it turns in and then gets reflected in your life. So that list of do's and don'ts isn't about you trying to strain and struggle to do it. It just starts happening because the seat of control has now been influenced and changed. It isn't as complicated anymore. This is why we reign in life then by receiving it. Because all of a sudden now you're overcoming things that you didn't think you'd ever overcome. You're conquering things you didn't realize you'd ever, you'd ever conquer. You're, you're fulfilling things you didn't know if it was ever going to happen. But the more time you spent with Him, the more time He influenced and impacted your heart and it began to be reflected in your life, praise God, this thing called grace begins to manifest. Amen. In fact, uh, uh, the scriptures, uh, in fact, Paul referred to the grace of God as the power of God. Amen. As the strength of God. Amen. The book of Acts refer refers to it as the power of God or the hand of God. Amen. So when you stop and you kind of think about grace, amen, that divine influence is about God's power, God's strength. God's hand at work on your behalf. And all he's asking is, come on over to the house. Come hang out with me a little bit. It's not that complicated. Well, I'm just too busy. Too busy to be empowered to do what you're trying to do? Have you ever had, you know, just a moment with God? Have you ever even, how about this, have you ever even... Have you ever even just sat in a service? 
you know, just work with me. Say yes, just make me feel better. <laughs> Sat in a service and something, amen, somehow because you were there and wide open for God to do something, something was said, bang, it impacted you, changed your life forever, praise God. Just by a word that was said, all of a sudden, <laughs> All of a sudden, the elevator went all the way to the top once. And you're seeing everything in a whole new perspective. And all it was was just a one word because you opened yourself up, made movement toward God, even though you were sitting in a cushy chair. But your heart was making movement toward God. And God said, well, I'll take some of that. Oh, let me put this in there and put this in there and put this in there. Now try that. You know, they have these certain kind of sunglasses they sell now that, you know, you, you know these, they're like, kind of like military-grade sunglasses, you know, that you put them on and you can see for 10 miles. <laughs> put them babies on. You can see all the enemy now. That's what happens. You know, you, you get a little bit of hanging out with God and all of a sudden there's an empowerment and all of a sudden your whole perspective changes how you view things and see things, all of a sudden there's an empowerment there. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a struggle. It doesn't seem too hard anymore. It doesn't seem impossible anymore. And God says, if you just kind of hang out with me, we'll kind of walk you through this whole thing. And if you will receive the abundance of grace and of the gift, free gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. It's guaranteed. You won't struggle with those things. Those things that used to hang you up won't hang you up anymore. And all he's asking is, come hang out with me. Come talk with me. Come fellowship with me. Make movement toward me. And I'll walk you through the whole thing. This Christian stuff really ain't all that tough. I said this Christian stuff ain't all that tough. Well, that's pretty weak, but I'll take it. All right, go with me if you will. Let's, um, let's do, I think we'll do, Kelly, let's put Zechariah 4 on the board. I think this is a good analogy. Zechariah 4. Now this, um, this is a word um, really uh, to Zerubbabel, okay, who is the governor of Judah. And uh, what it is, basically, it's come out of a, really, it's a vision. Um, this whole chapter really is a, a vision of, of what we kind of refer to as the lampstand and the olive branches or the olive trees. And they're all significant, and really there's a lot to be said in this whole chapter. But in the middle of it, there's a statement, and most of us know this verse. You know, most of us know this verse. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Okay, the governor of Judah, all right? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Now remember, most of us, if we see it, that's, we pretty much is part B of that verse. Everybody knows that part, right? Okay, right? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll have things we hang on the wall or it's on... You know, on a, 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 a painting or, or, you know, a little thing down on a plaque or some kind of thing. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So the idea is, it's not by your might. It's not by your power. But it's by His spirit. So it's a work of the Spirit. So he's telling Zerubbabel, giving him a word. And the reason he's giving this word to Zerubbabel is because Zerubbabel has got the task of rebuilding the temple. And so he gets after it and starts going. And pretty soon it's like, God, this is too hard. God, I mean, look what all he wants me to do. 
wants me to actually live for him. He wants me to be kind and nice. He actually wants me to walk in love. He wants me to be long-suffering. Have you been around these people? <laughs> right, I'm just saying. See, Zerubbabel was giving a task. He was given a job. He said, listen, I've called you to rebuild the temple. Finish it, please. I'm tired of this thing half done. Let's get it done. Well, Zerubbabel, you know, started off gung-ho because of a call. Woo! I'm called by God, gifted by the Lord with a mandate and a calling, amen, and a leading to go and rebuild the temple. Well, that sounds great for about a week, right? Come on. This is, this is, this is Christianity right here. You're called of God. You're in a kingdom, a different kingdom, your new creation, called to overcome and conquer. Woo! Did you hear that sermon? Woo! Did you hear that word? Woo! God's called us to go conquer. And then about seven, whoa. And then we're going, Whoa. I thought when I thought when we got called to, to conquer that the devil would just give up. He'd go, oh my gosh. He didn't run. I actually have to walk this. I actually have to put on the full armor and keep it on. I actually have to make declarations of faith and Stand my ground, hallelujah, and take back what's rightfully mine and overcome and conquer. I actually have to do this. Well, it sounds so fun in sermons. You come and you sit and you receive and you go, woo! Verse 7. I think you got seven there, right? Okay. Who are you, O great mountain? This mountain just means that which towers over or shine, you know, shake. It literally means something that begins to overwhelm. Okay? That's why it says, You say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. And it says it will be done. We don't go around giving everybody guided mountain tours. Come on. We don't go talk about my mountain. And the next guy goes, you don't know. You see my mountain. My mountain's bigger than your mountain. No, he says, oh, great mountain, who are you? Who do you think you are? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And it says, and he shall bring forth the capstone, in other words, finish the project, amen, with shouts of grace, grace to it, praise God. What that is is a type and shadow of how it all operates, praise God. It ain't without grace. We've got to have grace to finish the job, no matter what it is, no matter what the calling, no matter what the leading, no matter what he's destined you for, no matter what... Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, what he's led or spoken to you or led you to do, amen. The idea is not to start, but to finish. It's good to start, but we need to finish, right? So he's telling Zerubbabel, buddy, it's not in your strength. It's not in your might. You can't do this in your own power. That's why it's still in a half-done project. Because everybody only gets so far with it, and they all wear out. He says, so he tells you, he speaks to that mountain. Hey, mountain, you, you big ugly thing that thinks it towers over me and controls me, I'm going to tell you right now, grace, grace to you. And that mountain becomes a plain. 
God says that thing won't seem so big anymore. That thing won't seem like it controls you anymore. If you will just draw on grace. Amen. Now, there's a whole lot more to this story, but the cool thing about it is now you bring it down into where we're at. And this is what he says. If you, if you will just receive, you will seize the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. It's a, it'll happen because you're influenced and empowered from on high. The strength, the power, the hand of God is at work. And all of a sudden, it doesn't seem so impossible anymore. It doesn't seem so hard anymore. It doesn't seem out of reach anymore. Amen. And this is how it was designed to work. Amen. So we got a lot of Christians who, you know, know they're called, know they're gifted, know they have a leading, and we're not denying any of it. It's because, you know, you stop and you think about it. Maybe I'm give a little bit out of here, but, it, you know, we, we go along and then pretty soon we're so wore out or we're so beat down, we're so tired or whatever it is, that pretty soon we start questioning the gift questioning the calling, questioning the leading. Because it's amazing how you start thinking when you're wore out and tired. Most people give up because of that. They're tired or wore out. And the whole time, it was of God. Amen. It was a God leading, a God calling, and a God gifting. He just says, listen, I didn't give you all that for you to go out there and try to do it yourself. He said, I need you to keep coming to me and keep letting me empower you. So you keep doing it. And it's a whole lot more fun. I don't know if you noticed. It is. It's a whole lot more fun when he's involved. Otherwise, it's like, this mountain this mountain shall be removed. I hope and I pray. Please take it away someday. And we go on to the next day and it's still staring at you. He says, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to be empowered where you can look at that mountain and command it to become a plain. And the minute that begins to happen, has anybody ever experienced, you know, literally like within seconds because of, of an empowering from God, one word from God or an empowering, just that one moment, all of a sudden there's that knowing or that there's that re revelation that all of a sudden just hits. And it's like within a split second. Nothing in the natural has even changed yet. But in a split second, you know it's doable. Because it became a plane. Even though it seemed a second ago, this towering thing, that now has been brought down because of the grace of God, the empowering of God, Amen. The strength of God, the hand of God, the divine influence of God changed it all that quick. And the quicker you get it changed on the inside, the quicker it changes on the outside. And that's why we can reign in life. That's why we can overcome. We can conquer. Amen. Nothing complicated about what we shared today. Not one bit. But it does require you to make movement toward Him. Amen. How much of your day is wasted? Now, don't, I didn't say I have to get you all depressed. But if you stop and you think about how much of your day really just, you know, you could have maybe had, you know, 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there, an hour or so here. Come on. And just, just in that, you know, you know, what are you saying? It has to be lengthy, but just learning to just stop every so often and make movement toward God. And all of a sudden, in that 20 minutes, in that 
15 minutes, in that five minutes, something happened, and you don't feel so overcome anymore. And that's what he's, he's trying to show us, that this is how it works. Jesus paid a price so you could have this. Made a way by making you the righteousness of God, bringing you into a place of right standing, that at any given moment, whether you just messed up or not, you can make movement toward God, and right then, praise God, amen, you have a connection with Him, amen. And here's how I look at this. A lot of people say, well, you're just telling everybody to live like they want to live, and then they go to God like it's nothing. You go to God, pretty soon you don't want to live that way no more. The problem that we keep living that way is we never get toward God because we can't ever make movement toward God with confidence and assurance because we won't believe the fact that we're in right standing as we are. So we're still trying to earn something that's already been given us, so we're trying to be something that we already are, and just at any given, make movement toward God. When you do, empowerment's there. You might be amazed at what you walk free from if you just get into the presence of God once or twice. Come on, somebody. Anybody get something today? Amen. Praise God. Why don't you all stand up? Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Just come on over to the house, right? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we give you praise and glory. We thank you. We thank you that you've made us the righteousness of God. We're in right standing with you because of what Jesus did. We receive that. And we're thankful. Amen. For the abundance of grace that is available. And we choose to receive that. We thank you. No matter what we're looking at, whatever pressure, circumstance, whatever that mountain may be, we stand in the grace of God, and that mountain becomes a plain before us. So, Father, I thank you for a people of God who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. We give you praise, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Did you receive that today? Amen. Well, praise God. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's, re- let's be good receivers. Amen. Praise God. Shake a hand, hug a neck, and you are dismissed. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.